Well, now that the Olympics are over, we can turn our attention back to political speeches. Oh, don't get too excited, no. Well, as we listen to those speeches, I can pretty much tell you what they're going to say. You should be dissatisfied with the way things are, because things could be better. Well, that's my question for you today. Are you dissatisfied with the way things are in our country? Are you dissatisfied with the way things are in your own life? How about this? Are you dissatisfied with church? Or maybe you're even dissatisfied with God. Now those questions get a little piercing, don't they? To be dissatisfied with church? Be dissatisfied with God? Is that safe? There was a study that was released recently done by the the Pew Survey people, and they simply pointed out that Americans are giving up on God. If you look at the right side of the the screen there, they now say that 49% of Americans do not attend church anymore. And and that number on the far right, that 22% of them say they attend less now than they used to in the past. It seems like people are giving up on God. Now, the survey went farther to, to find out why people are doing that or thinking that way. And that top bar is supposed to say 34%. There we go. Um, 34% of the people have been looking for a, a new church in part because they moved. Okay, that makes sense. But 11% because they've had a change in their marital status. Maybe they're married now or, or maybe they've gone through a divorce. have left their church because they disagreed with the clergy. 7% said they have problems with their old church. 5% admitted that they were changing their beliefs. And 3 said they left because of social reasons. They're dissatisfied with church. But the the survey went even deeper. 49% said they no longer believe or need religion. They've given up on God. 20% said they dislike the whole thing about about organized religion. 18% said they're now uncertain about their beliefs. And 10% said they're inactive, they're just too busy to be involved with church or God. Dissatisfied? You know, it's easy to become dissatisfied with the country, your life, maybe church. What about God? And what do you do when you're dissatisfied? In our series of messages entitled God's Everyday Promises, today we're going to focus on one of those promises that deals with that spirit of dissatisfaction. God promises us an abundant life. And we're going to see what that is today. Hear the words of Jesus when he's speaking as the good shepherd. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And by that, he he meant the sheep in, in his fold, believers. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. My sheep Listen to my voice, 
I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Beautiful promise, isn't it? So why is it then that we're always dissatisfied? Well, you might say, well, it's just kind of normal. You know, it's part of our nature as human beings. Ah, yeah, there it is. It's part of our nature as human beings to be dissatisfied. Now, you might say, well, if it's just normal and part of our nature to be that way, why are you making a big deal about it? Well, let's take a look at what causes that dissatisfaction. What's behind it? And maybe more importantly, what's next? What happens after the dissatisfaction? When, we look, when I look at dissatisfaction, I, I see three things that are involved with it. First of all, maybe the idea of distraction. We become distracted by what was good and, and what was right and are interested in something else now. Now, Jesus, in his words today, talked about a thief. A thief operates on that principle of distraction or deception. They want to get your attention away from what they're doing so they can steal something away from you. Now, Jesus, in talking about a thief, was referring to false prophets, for example. He said, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing, right? They come in deception and with a distraction to get your attention away from what is safe and what is right and what is good, so they can take you away from God. The Apostle Paul talked about that too. He said, uh, beware of false teachers who will come and, and give you what your itching ears want to hear. They're going to deceive you and distract you from what is right and true to thinking something else, something you would prefer to hear. And so get you away from God. Now, another cause of our dissatisfaction, I think, is, is disappointment. When, when things or situations don't meet our expectations, what it is we wanted. Uh, Jesus experienced that. In, in that reading that we had before, Jesus feeding the 5,000. You know what happened after that? They wanted to make Jesus their bread king. They thought, this is great. This guy heals us. He feeds us. We don't do anything except for sit around and get fat. It was a good, easy life. They wanted to make him their king. Jesus wouldn't allow it. They became upset with Jesus. And they didn't like the things that he was teaching. And so what does it tell us? They left him. You see, people became disappointed in Jesus. And therefore, they left him for something else. He wasn't going to be the kind of king they wanted to get rid of the Romans and, and restore greatness to Israel again. Therefore, they dumped him. That survey I referred to before maybe indicates that when people's expectations are not met, they become disappointed and then leave the church, even leave God. And when that happens... That's another contributing factor to dissatisfaction. It leads to disobedience. God tells us not to forsake getting together, not to forsake hearing his word, 
The third commandment tells us, remember the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy, as sacred to him. And yet when people become disappointed or distracted by something else, they abandon God. They disobey what God wants them to do. That's bringing us to the results of all of this dissatisfaction. When, when people are, are distracted from what's right and good, then they become disconnected. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to be connected with it anymore. So people sometimes get disconnected with the church and disconnected with the scriptures because they're interested in something else. Likewise, when people become disappointed, they get discouraged. Now, what good is this? It's not doing anything for me. It's not what I want. And so they'll give up on it. And that leads to that disobedience then of forsaking God. And Jesus warns us that when we forsake him, he will forsake us. He says, if you disown me before others, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. That's what Jesus was referring to when he said that thief is coming to steal, to kill, and destroy. The thief he's talking about is the devil. Now, when we think of the devil, you know, maybe we think of that ugly, scary creature. And want nothing to do with that. But the devil doesn't come to us appearing that way. He comes in a deceptive outfit. He comes with ideas, with teachings, with, with things that interest us, that pull us away from God and lead us then to be dissatisfied with God and our faith. And his goal is just to get us to be dissatisfied. Therefore, his warning to us is to watch out for the devil's schemes. Now, we might say, well, you know, dissatisfaction, that's just kind of a normal way of life. Yes, it is. However, it's the devil's way of getting us to distrust God, to be displeased with him, and give up on him. So, I went on the internet and to look for, well, what is it that people are so dissatisfied about? And I found this one site, and it had all these links that you could click on. And I didn't do it because I was afraid of what I might say. But here's what they were trying to get people to think about. Like this. Are you dissatisfied with everything in your life? Click on this link. Are you dissatisfied with your financial position? Click on this link. Are you dissatisfied with your marriage or any relationship? Well, click on this link. Or have you ever thought, how can I get anyone to fall in love with me fast? Obviously, you're dissatisfied. Just click on this link. Or how can I get somebody to get over me in just a few days? Or can I get over someone in just a few days? You're dissatisfied. Click on this link. Or tell me how you can turn $50 into a million dollars fast. Just click on this link. Well, it was kind of an interesting list just to so show how easily we can become dissatisfied. In our Monday morning men's Bible class, we've been going through the book of 1 Samuel, and it was all about new leaders, new leaders that were going to be there for God's people. And the first one was King Saul, but the way it came about was 
the people were demanding a good leader, a new leader. They were tired of the way things were. They were dissatisfied. And so they cried out to God, give us a king, give us a king. They were tired of listening to Samuel the prophet. And Samuel was dejected because he thought he was rejected. But God told Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Sometimes our dissatisfaction is simply a rejection of God, distrust in him. So we have to watch out for the devil's schemes. That study I referred to before made this conclusion. Half of Americans who have left their church no longer believe in God. You see what the devil is trying to do? To steal, to kill, and destroy. And he simply uses a spirit of dissatisfaction. But let's not play the devil-made-me-do-it game. When we recognize the danger, let's also recognize our failure in not putting God first in our life, but our self, our self-centered thoughts, our selfishness. We need to trust God and what he gives us and what he's doing, and we need to thank him. So as we're talking about dissatisfaction, let's figure out now how to get rid of the dis so that we have satisfaction in our life. And that will come simply by listening to this everyday promise of God, a promise for abundant life. Now, you might wonder, what's abundant life? What's a full life like? People, I'm sure, will give you all sorts of a description of what they think a full life should be and and how they're trying to get it. God makes it real simple for us. He tells us what a full life is and where it comes from. First, he tells us that full, abundant life means we are full of his grace. Listen to a few more promises in that connection. This one from the Apostle Paul in Romans 5. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Do you see how he's telling us God will give us an abundance of his grace and righteousness. The righteousness of God, the righteousness that we need to be right with God, is what comes as a gift to us through faith in Jesus. It was Jesus' righteousness that is given to us. Before we had the the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, what did he have to work with? He had five loaves of bread and two fish. And the disciples were quick to point out, that ain't enough. They were very dissatisfied with what was going to be done. And they even told Jesus, tell the people to get away. We can't feed them. What did Jesus do with those meager means? It says he gave thanks to God. And then he multiplied it and gave it to the people. And the people had their full. Jesus' thanksgiving 
replaces our thanklessness. You know, Jesus didn't send people away from him when, when they were weak, when they were doubting, when they had concerns and questions. He didn't say, get away. He brought them to him. Jesus' acceptance of people replaces our rejection of people. His righteousness is that gift we need to fill us up. And what about all that sin we have? Paul goes on and he'll say, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Even as people were nailing Jesus to the cross, Jesus prayed for their forgiveness. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. That's how much grace has increased and flows over to our life. The Apostle John wrote, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. As one Bible translation puts it, we've all received one blessing after another. Just look how much God has blessed us. If you're ever dissatisfied with your condition in life, just look. Look around and see what God has given you. But more than that, look inside. And when you do, you will see that you have this blessing too. Paul writes, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. He's reminding us that this life that's full of grace is also a life that's full of joy. Too often we look at what we have on the outside and forget to look on the inside and see that grace and love of God there, and then the joy that will well up in us because of it. Along with that comes the blessing of peace. That is, you know, sometimes when we're dissatisfied, when things aren't going well, we think, you know, God doesn't really care, or, or God is punishing me, or whatever it might be. We think God's out to get us. But not when you have the gift of peace. You know that God is only out to bless you. As I've been talking to some of our members who are very sick with cancer, they are not expressing any doubt of God's love for them. They know God has them in his hands and is going to bless them through this. In working with some of our prisoners, yesterday I was doing that, and, and one of them told me, you know, I've been here for 34 years, and it was only supposed to be 20. But he says, I can see why God still has me here, because the changes that have come in these last few years have been tremendous. It's having peace, knowing that what's going on in your life is a blessing that God is going to bring you. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God speaks, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it, that is, my people. I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. And with that comes the blessing of life. That's what Jesus promised. I will give you abundant life. He says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God's message to us is that this life is full now, but it's also leading to a life that's forever. 
That's abundant life, a never-ending life. Let's go back to Jesus' promise that we started with from John chapter 10. He said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What security do we have? What's the assurance that I will not be taken away from God? It's because of what God has done for me. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That little word for is for you. In, in the Greek language, it means in the place of. Jesus' life is in your place. He put himself under God's curse for all of your dissatisfaction and distrust of him. And that sin is taken away. Jesus put himself in your place in the grave so that as he rose from the dead, so will you, and you will live forever. Our assurance of an abundant life is from Jesus. But what must I do to have that? There is something we must do. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus wants us to discern his voice, to not become distracted by other things and so leave him, but listen carefully to what he teaches. And then to see his working and discern what that will is. You know, sometimes we use the phrase, you know, look before you leap. Well, here, look before you take a step. Look to see what God's word says. Listen to his voice and follow his leading. And then here, just be a disciple. Follow him. Follow him, which means learning and trusting his leading. You know, every Sunday we have this beautiful display of flowers up here on the altar. Come back in a few days, you know what they look like? All wilted. Why? Because they've been uprooted from the ground and from their source of water. If we uproot ourselves from that source of life, which is God and his word, then we too will fade and die. God, promise, God promises us an abundant, beautiful life. Stay planted in his word. What are people looking for in a church? That Pew survey showed us a lot of dissatisfaction, but it also showed us some positive things. Here's two other things. 51% of Americans are still attending church regularly. In fact, 27% are now saying, I attend more often than I used to. Why is that? They asked the question. Their answer was, because I'm looking for quality sermons, sermons that teach us God's word. I'm looking for churches where they welcome us, and we're looking for worship styles that lift us up in our faith and praise of God. I think we're doing that. Here was something else that was interesting. It said 56% of the people who were looking for new churches were also concerned about the quality of educational programs for children. In fact, 65% of adults who had minor children said that was an important thing for them. What was the church doing to educate their children? Well, I've got some good news. 
We've got a great educational program here with our schools and our Sunday school and our sunshine station. We have what people are looking for. That is God's word and the opportunity to follow Jesus. So when that spirit of dissatisfaction settles into your heart, remember the promise of God that he keeps, a promise for abundant life, which comes simply by listening to and following Jesus. Amen.